0: Allie. Uh the first three weeks we, we went over uh, Habakkuk chapters 1, 2, and 3 uh, just talking and realizing how there's times in life when you're wrestling, you're in the valley, you're in these moments where you don't feel God, you don't see God, you don't hear God, uh, and sometimes all you feel, all you see around you is, is the nothing, is black, and, and you cry out to God in these moments, God, where are you? What's going on in this situation? Why are you not intervening in my life right here and right now? And, and the point is, through that whole book, what we realize is it's okay to wrestle But at the same time, there's a realization of an embrace that continues. It's still holding on to God, holding on to his truths, even when you can't necessarily feel it in the physical. So Habakkuk 1, 2, and 3, we talked about that, and then last week we talked about the practical. Okay, how do we now apply, when I'm in the valley, I'd say a, a situations throughout, stories I've heard from, from people in this room, people have lost their jobs, they've, they've lost a spouse, somebody that was supposed to be a, a, an authority figure over them, betrayed them, or, or did stuff that they never should have, and uh, there's so many different situations, so many different stories I've heard that, that people feel like they're betrayed and they're in the valley. Okay, so so now we know it's okay to be in the valley. But what do we do when we're in the valley? We read Psalms 23. And Psalm 23 says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear nothing. I, there, there's nothing that, that can come my way. There's no situation. There's no storm. There's nothing that can come against me that I will fear. Why? Because I know that God is with me. David right there, he's writing. He's writing from the valley. He's saying, look. I know that even in this struggle, even in this hurt, even in this moment, I can rely on the faithfulness of God. Last week, we talked about the practical of of getting through the valley is that first step. It's, It's starting to walk through the valley, to take the first step, to get moving. A lot of us, so many times, we end up just making camp. Well, this is my lot in life. This is where I belong. This is the way my dad was, the way my grandfather was, the way his dad was. And, and so we just end up saying, this is how I'm always going to be. And we end up making camp. We sit down, and, and, and I guess this is just what I deserve because of my past or, or who I was. And, and so this is how it's going to always be. But that's not the case. The key is to get moving, to get up, to get going. Don't make camp in the valley. Get going. Get moving. But many know you can't just take a step and get through the valley yes the key the first start is to get moving it's to take the first step but but you can't just take one step and make it through the valley you can't just take one step and make it through the valley what you have to do is walk through it's a continual walking. It's a, it's a continual stepping. It's a step after a step after a step. It's a, yes, I'm in the valley. Yes, I don't like where I'm at. But God, I know you're with me, so I'm going to continue to put one foot in front of the other and trust you in faith. It's walking through the valley. I want to talk today about what I think is probably the greatest detriment to getting through the valley. And, and this is, this is going to kind of sound... Um, redundant obvious but I think the greatest detriment to getting through the valley is almost always people forgetting about the finish when you start something do you remember the finish or do you just start something and then all of a sudden get distracted by where you're now at and start looking around and making a new camp in the valley the greatest detriment to walking through the valley a lot of times is very well just the finish The finish line. We start strong, but ultimately we never make our goal. We get stuck in the valley. But but the finish line is why you race. You don't race to start. Now the start's important, but the start's only important because it sets you up for the finish. It's about not giving up. It's about staying the course, even though the going gets tough. Jesus, in in Matthew chapter 8, there was a, a, a lot of people coming up to him and, and, and talking with him, pleading with him, disciples saying, oh, Jesus, I want to I follow you. I want to follow you. I want to I follow what you're doing. He was the, the new in thing. There was one particular man who came to Jesus, and, and with all the zeal, with all the excitement that you would want in a starter, he came to Jesus, and he said, I will follow you wherever you go. I mean, look, you hear those words, and that's like, oh, come on, sign you up. Let's do it. But Jesus says this, he says, before you make that kind of statement, before you make that kind of commitment, you need to realize, and he says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. I I probably would have stopped and said, excuse me, what? No, 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 I said I want to follow you. But what Jesus is saying, what he's telling us is, look, if you decide to follow me, there's gonna be valleys. There's gonna be difficult times. There's gonna be discouraging times. There will be many things that you don't like along the way. But after you accept that, then put your hands to the plow. Don't look back. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. It's not about even coming in first. See, that's, that's a lot of our problem. A lot of our mentality is, well, I gotta make it to the finish line first. It's not about coming in first. It's about the finish. Finishing, uh, I was reminded uh, of, of 1992. There were, the Olympics were in Barcelona, uh, Barcelona Olympics, and there was a, a particular gentleman who had studied, trained hard, and well by the name of Derek Redmond. Derek Redmond was a world-class athlete. had actually won numerous awards, numerous medals, uh, had world records to his name. He had tried out for the British Olympic team in 1988, made the team, and and strove, I mean, his, his goal in life, his finish was, I wanna compete in the Olympics. He ended up in 1988 having to pull out about 90 seconds before the start of his first heat, had an injury, and, had, and ended up over the next four years, before 1992, had eight different operations, eight different surgeries he had to endure and go through. But still, enduring those eight surgeries, during those eight uh, 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 trials that he was going through, the valley that you could say he was in, he still worked and worked and worked to remake the British Olympic team, running the 400 meter. 400 meters. So now here it is. It's 1992. He's made the British Olympic team. He places first in his first heat. He's, 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 the, uh, he's the man to beat. They're expecting him to take it all. Wins the first heat, comes back, and in the quarterfinals, wins that as well. In fact, he actually posted the fastest time in the first round. Went on to win the quarterfinal, and then in the semifinals, he started out well. Remember, he had the finish, in mind. He knew what it took to get across the line. I want to show you all this video real quick. He had the finish in mind. It's his father. He, he had gotten halfway around the track, 200 meters, 250 meters into the race, and, and all of a sudden he tore, ruptured his hamstring. His father came out to help him. I, I mean, his desire was he was going to finish. It, it wasn't about how well he started. It wasn't about the, the record times that he had set within the first heats. It was about finishing this race. Uh, you could say he was in a valley on the back stretch. <laughs> a hamstring snapped. I think people all the time, we, we begin our Christian walk. We have this, uh, this excitement, this, this brand new lot in life, this new zeal. The weight of sin is lifted and the realization of, of undeserved grace is unlike anything else. And, and all of a sudden there's this, this type of euphoria. It's it's true joy. It's his his presence, God's spirit within us. And then later, on the back stretch, when the going gets tough and and things don't go our way, they don't don't line up the way that we thought they should. They, They don't work out the way that we think that they should have worked out. We quit. We stop. We forget the reason why we were running the race, and we start to focus on, on the reason why we've fallen. Maybe we don't stop going to church or, or maybe we don't even stop uh, you know calling ourselves a Christian, but, but inside, we've quit living this abundant life. In Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And listen here, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us run with perseverance. It continues on, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, not for the valley he was in, not for the joy of the immediate, not, not for the valley that he was hurting in, but for the idea of the finish line, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In this passage, I, I think the Christian life is, is compared um, not to a sprint, but instead to, to a, a long race, a marathon. This isn't, this isn't a get out of the gates and, and go quick because we're going to be across the line soon. It's, this is life. This is, life is going to take its time. Life is going to happen. And in this world you will have trouble. But do not fear. I have overcome the world. Yes, there will be valleys just as much as there are high, highs, as much as there are mountains. I, and we love those times. But those mountains, those highs prepare us for the next valleys. And then those valleys do what? They prepare us for the preserva- uh, the, the perseverance, the, the testing of our faith to, to ensure that we can make it up to the next mountain. Stamina, endurance. Paul proclaimed, look, I've kept the faith. I have finished the race. Finishing the race is critically important to all of us. I, I love this chapter, Hebrews, Hebrews 12, mainly because it actually comes right after one of my favorite chapters Hebrews 11 the heroes chapter we're inspired by saints those believers that have gone before us we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses notice that that first line Hebrews 12 verse 1 says therefore therefore it connects itself back with the with the previous chapter there's chapter 11 and whatever happens in chapter 11 however chapter 11 ends then that, therefore, is why we are prepared to run the race. That is why we run with perseverance. Whatever happened in chapter 11? Well, look in chapter 11. The writer gives an extended list of those who have been found faithful. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Rahab, David, Samuel. The list goes on. A few weeks back, Brandon alluded to Paul. Paul. And in our mind, we, we get this idea, this mentality that, well those guys, they, they were saints, those women, they were, they were saints. They lived this, this perfect, pristine, valleyless life. They didn't have to endure the valleys like we do. Maybe they had some sort of faithful, easy walk with God up the mountain. But uh, look with me real quick, one and particular, one particular individual that's mentioned is Noah in verse seven. In chapter 11, verse 7, it says, Noah, by faith, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Who's heard, who's heard the story of Noah and the ark? A lot of people, we, we hear the story. I, I mean, you don't even have to be a Christian to hear about the man who built the boat. And, and then, you know, for myself, it was growing up in Sunday school. You know, there's the, the cute little boat with the smiling little lions, they had little puffy faces. It was on a felt board up behind me, and Moses was standing out on the deck, all happy like with his little staff in hand, sending birds out. Noah, excuse me, thank you, not Moses. And that's recorded, God bless. How are you? So here's Noah, and it's just this this real easy life. And so we start to really break it down, and we think, okay, well, how long was Noah in this valley of sorts before he made it out on the other end? Well, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, right? Okay, so so 40 days that he had to endure. Well, no, because the waters rose so high that the boat actually didn't settle. He was in the boat for over a year. Over a year he was in the boat. Wow, uh, okay, I mean a year, endured for a year. Well, how long did Mo, uh, didn't Moses, how long did Noah, how long did Noah take to build the ark? 100 and 120 years. What? Can you imagine the amount of people, they, they weren't building boats, <laughs> especially any boat of this size, they weren't even building dinghies, okay, there was no water anywhere, they were in the middle of land, there was no such thing as a boat. Now, all of a sudden, Moses is building. Hey, Moses, what are you building? Noah. Oh, I'm going to do it the rest of the night. Let's just understand if I say Moses, I mean Noah. So Noah, hey, Noah, what are you doing? I'm building a boat. Uh, what's a boat? And they had no idea what a boat was. All of a sudden, they start ridiculing. them, start making fun of him. Noah, see, he's sitting there telling them, oh, no, no, there's going to be water coming up from the ground. It's going to actually come down, rain down from heaven, and, and it's going to flood everything. And they're laughing at him. I mean, talk about a valley, 120 years of scorn, of ridicule, people laughing at what he was doing. Probably the same amount of years people are going to have on me for saying Moses instead of Noah. How many times could he have quit? But it's not about the start, it's about the finish. And what I love about Hebrews 11, it talks about every single one of these characters. And then at the very end, after listing all the great heroes of the faith, it ends by saying this, God had planned something better for us. That's for you and I, for each and every one of us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So they were doing nothing more than running the first leg of a relay. Guess who the finishers are? Only with our story, only with our story, what God has planned for each and every one of us, what God has his intent of us walking continually through the valley, taking the baton from those that went before, the great cloud of witnesses, and running the race that is set before. Only with them, only with us, is that then made perfect. Then it says, chapter 12, therefore, run with perseverance. Because of all those that went before you, because of those that passed the baton, because of people that went before. In my life, man, my, I think about my father and, and the things that he did, the, the things that he instilled in me, the, the, the inheritance that he left for me. There was no money. The bank was dry, but the inheritance I had was unequal. The baton passed on to me. Therefore, run with perseverance. Press on. Don't let up in the valley. Finish. Last week we said get moving. Get on with it. Get out of your, 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 your mire, your muck. You're, you're sitting there sulking about it. Get on with life. Take, a, take that first step. Let's walk. Let's do it. And now what do you do? Continue. All right. What does it take to walk through the valley? I want to go through two things real quick before we close this morning too quick principles that I believe this story teaches us as well as what the Bible teaches. The first thing that I think to finishing God's Word teaches us is about commitment. Commitment isn't, isn't just a, a promise. Commitment isn't just, just a, I'm going to spit something out of my mouth and, and we'll see what, how life changes and what happens down the road and, and maybe I will, maybe I won't. Commitment is it's, a, its this fortitude. It's this idea that no matter what comes, this is my decision. This is how we're going to live. This is what I'm going to do. Commitment to make a decision. Commitment to step across the line. Commitment to finish the race. I think one of the biggest problems we have today is a lot of people are, are indecisive. And look, I throw myself in this lot. I, I walk into a, a grocery store to buy headache medicine, and, and I sit there and look at, well, this, this is headache medicine, but this has headache medicine. It's, it's the generic, so it's a lot cheaper. And, well, it's the same ingredients, but, oh, well, this one does headache and a runny nose. I have a runny nose, too. So I, well, well this one does headache and a runny nose. Right. Well, this one, this one does headache, runny nose, and a stuffed up nose. I don't know how you do both, but it does it. And so, and so I sit there. I could spend 30 minutes, in, and, I'm just, and finally I call Melissa. I'm like, hey, what, what do I pick up? I'm tired of looking. But that indecisive idea, this mentality that, well, maybe something better is going to come along. I'm, I'm going to wait for something else. Commitment is important because we make our decisions, and quite honestly, our decisions make us. I heard it once said that you are where you are today because of decisions you made yesterday. You are where you are today because of decisions that you made yesterday. Now, for some, that's validation. I've worked hard at my decisions. I, I, I'm making the right decisions. I am who I am. For others, you hear something like that, and it's it's more of instead of validation, it's more of a sentence. My past, my mistakes have have left me where I am today. But I would say to the both of you that you're wrong. You see, you can. You can stop right there and let your past define you, or you can remember what Scripture says, the old is gone, behold, all things have become new. You are where you are today because of decisions you made yesterday. And realize you will be where you will be tomorrow because of decisions you make today. If where I am today is based upon a decision I made yesterday, then where I'll be tomorrow is based upon a decision I make today. If things are going well, don't get complacent. Don't get lethargic. Don't become apathetic, but continue to finish. Commit to the race. If things aren't going well in your life, then today is your chance to make a new decision. Today is your day to make a new tomorrow. Either way, it comes by committing to the finish. Jesus illustrated this parable, in a, in a parable he illustrated this in, in Luke chapter 14. He said this, he says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first, down, first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish it, there's thought that's put behind something. We're, we're in the process of, of building a new building. I don't know how many saw the, the rendering over here on the wall. And, and look, I mean, it's exciting. We're finally seeing something go up. But what's going up? is is finally happening after years of just thought, after years of of prayer, after years. And I'm not even talking about just the years that that I've spent thinking about it. I'm talking about the years that people within this church 40 years ago started praying for the new thing that God was going to do. People, when they moved to Paris, said, you know what, I believe God is doing something greater than just what is. I believe God wants to do a new thing. God wants to see Exodus 34.10. We, we want to see the people around us amazed and at wonder coming to us and saying, man, what is it that you have that I don't? That began years ago. It's not something new. Yeah, the, the, the stone is just going up, but, but man, that, there was thought that was put behind it. You seek wise counsel in your life. You, you listen to those who you spiritually trust. You seek God in his word, and when you you read God's word, when you hear from him, you make a commitment and you trust him. You step out in faith, and then you continue. You commit to it. You take that step, you get moving, and then you take another step and you get moving. Commit to a finish. I think one of the greatest examples of, of commitment was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed to the Father. He he said, Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from my my lips. I I don't want to have to go through this. Man, talk about a valley. He knew the pain that he was about to endure. He knew the hardship that he was about to endure. And he's sitting there in that moment. Instead of making camp, instead of running and hiding, what does he do? He, He says, nevertheless, God, not my will, but your will be done. For the joy set before him. not for the joy of the moment. There was no joy in that moment, but there was joy when he looked past that moment. Doesn't matter how much pain, how much ridicule, how much torture. I I believe at that moment in Jesus' life, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, he, he, he made a commitment, he made a decision to finish. No turning back, God, your will be done, not mine. Commitment, it motivates us. You can endure short-term pain when you understand the long-term gain. Commitment is, it's it's a decision. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, which is the long-term goal, the finish, endured the short-term pain of the cross, scorning its shame. The finish decision, it, it empowers Jesus had the finish in mind. He had you and I in mind. It was something so much more than than just, yeah, I'm going to be risen from the dead. Something really cool is going to happen. No, 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 at that very moment when he said nevertheless, I honestly believe that at that very moment he saw you and I committed to a finish. The first thing a finisher does is commit. The second thing is execute. We commit and then we execute. You, you commit to a decision and then you follow through with that commitment. You continue to walk through the valley. Placing one foot in front of the other. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians eight eleven. he said, now finish the work. Do it. Now finish it so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. You've started great. You got excited. You you had the revelation of the knowledge of who Christ was, and and you came to the cross, and you said, God, I I thank you for your grace, for your forgiveness, for, for the blood of Jesus. Come into my life. Change me. The old is gone. Behold, all things are new. The excitement, the fervor, the zeal. Okay. Now finish the work. You don't just hope to do it, you execute. Last week we took the first step, we said get moving. That's the walk, but to tie it into the walk, to tie that into the through the valley requires more than just the first step. You have to continue walking. You have to continue through the valley. Each step, a step of faith. If God has called you to do something, take a step in that direction, finish the work. Look, you you may be on the back stretch of life you may feel like something has been completely ripped from your body you may have fallen down and be in pain and agony and hurt left there seemingly alone but get up and finish the race get up finish just the next couple steps take it step at a step and a step commit and then execute don't give up there was a movie, Mel Gibson put out, The Passion of the Christ. It's been a number of years now. But in, the, in, the, in this movie, in, in his portrayal of, of Jesus' life up into the, the death, there was this moment where all of a sudden Jesus was on the back stretch with finish in mind. The Garden of Gethsemane had, had already happened. He had made a commitment, but now, now it was the time to execute the decision. I want to show you this quick, quick clip. The camera flashes to his mother, Mary, and at that moment, as, as he sees his mother, I, I think he, he as well sees his mother, but then as well he sees the finish. He sees you and I, and he says, Look, I make all things new. This way, and and me. I, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that in that moment, the commitment was already made. It, it was the Garden of Gethsemane that was the commitment. The commitment was this is this is what it is. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will but yours be done. The execution was, was, was every step he took from Garden of Gethsemane all the way through to the end. And, and I, I can't even call it the end. It, it wasn't. It was... It was a new beginning behold I make all things new scripture goes on to say when you believe in Christ when you accept him when you when you when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the old is gone behold all things are new some of you man I I don't care how many times you've been disqualified in the race you run I'm here to tell you it behold all things are new you're here this morning because you're not finished because you're not done because because life isn't over There was one more valley in Christ's life to endure on the way to the finish line. So what did he do? He, he made a decision, and, and now was the time to execute that decision. At, at, at any given point in time, he, he could have he just stayed down. He could have fought back. He, he could have said, nope, this is not what I'm going to do. But instead, in the middle of the valley, in the middle of the hurt, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of what felt like God himself turning his back on him, he said, no. Not my will, but yours, be done, Lord. He finished. He walked through the valley. Some of you here this morning, you've fallen down on the backstretch. You, 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 again, something's been pulled, ripped from your life. Whether it, whether it be financially, whether it be relationally, whether no matter what the issue, whether it's a, a doctor's report, something that that you never wanted to hear. God wants you to see the new you that He sees. Not to sit there and, and to wallow in, in what that moment is or to focus on that problem, but, it, but instead to get up and to finish. Your decisions yesterday, they may be the reason that you're down, but they don't have to negatively affect the decisions you make today. God sees in you an overcomer. He sees in you what he calls more than a conqueror. He sees in you a finisher. Don't hold on to your past, your mistakes, because in him all things are new. But how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. He's the way, the truth, the life. It all comes just by that that one little phrase saying, I believe. You can make a finishing decision today. And with the resurrection, the the, the life, his spirit inside, alive in you, he calls you to stand back up, to, to fight another day, to say to your spiritual enemies, look, this fight isn't over. This race is not over. I will keep moving. I will finish this race, completing the task that the Lord has set out for me. Jesus finished his work for you. Now we too commit and execute. We walk through the valley, not, not getting stuck in those moments, but, but walking through, letting God fulfill his perfect plan in our lives. As I close, if you'll stand with me, church. Lord God, I, I pray this morning, Father, that, that within our hearts, within our minds, Lord, that, that we wouldn't stay camped in the valley and, and we, wouldn't get, uh, we wouldn't get turned around by, by the mistakes of a single step, Father, but instead would continue to run the race that is set before us. Continue to push through, Lord God. Continue to, to, to follow our commitment to embrace who you are, even though we wrestle, even though we struggle with what's going on in life, Father, that we would continue to push through keeping our eyes, turning our eyes upon Jesus, who for the joy, not of the moment, but but of my life, the joy of your life, the joy of our lives, endured the pain, scorning the shame of the cross, ran with perseverance. As I continue to pray, look, if you're here this morning and, and you've, You've never made that decision. You've never said, God, I need need a personal relationship with you. I can't continue life like it is. I'm tired of walking it out on my own. I'm tired of sitting in this valley. Man, if you want to just make a commitment this morning to follow Christ, it's as easy as just saying, I believe. I believe, Lord God, that you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe, Lord God. I thank you for for the grace, the the execution, Lord God, that you endured every single step, Father, along that path that you took for me. If that's you here this morning, I'd love the opportunity to pray for you where you're at. Just real quick, raise your hand. Let me see your hand. I'd love to say, God, I thank you. Anybody else across the room, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else, man, if you want to make a decision this morning that says, God, I believe. Lord God, I thank you for those who've raised their hand. Father, I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that, that they would just come to the realization, to the understanding of the knowledge of the saving grace of Christ. And Father, right now we pray. Father, we believe in you. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the cross. We thank you, Lord God, that you made a decision and, and you endured the cross for each and every one of us. And so, Father, with that in mind, we... We accept, Lord God, we come before you and we we say, come into our lives, Lord Jesus. Change us, Lord God, not that you're going to remove us from the valley, Father, but that you will walk with us through every single step of the way. And Lord God, for the rest of us here this morning, I pray that you would help us to, to continue to commit to a finishing decision and then to execute every single step of that walk. God, thank you for the way, the truth, the life. I believe that you are. It's in the name of your son, we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you were one of those few that raised your hand this morning, please, please come up here this morning. I want to personally pray with you. I want to talk to you about the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. God bless you guys. Y'all have a wonderful week. true